Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up This is Wired Up, episode 97, here on the Take It Easy podcast, here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome in, everybody. It is, of course, post-championship week in college football, and uh, boy, I did not expect that. (laughs) Alabama to just absolutely destroy Georgia. I know the score looked closer towards the end, but At the start of the game, Georgia starts out up 10-0, playing the game that we all expect, and then it's just Alabama dominating the number one team, undefeated, best defense maybe in the history of college football, only allowed 84 points the entire season. Alabama in three quarters scored 41 points on Georgia. By the way, Georgia in the entire game finished... 41 or sorry 38 to 7 after leading 10-0 in that game it was a rout by Alabama so we'll talk about that a bunch here it's going to be I assume heavy Bama Georgia centric because as we talked about on Friday stakes and storylines create interest in college football and the Baylor Oklahoma game certainly had some storylines to it that we'll talk about probably on the back end a bit. We've also got Walter Mitchell's picks for this week as well. We'll drop those at the end to get the complete foray of NFL picks before Sunday out into the universe. But back to Alabama and Georgia, which I assume is the A, B, and C block here on this Wired Up podcast. Georgia starts out the game up 10 0, and Alabama's strategy going in is okay, we're going to try and use the the pass like the run and spread out the field, which is usually what bad offenses do when they are playing good rush defenses. And it usually doesn't work out because you don't have the skilled players. But Alabama obviously very much has the skilled players on their team. Alabama just finds themselves in a difficult matchup against Georgia because one their running back Brian Robinson was battling injuries but two Georgia has the best defensive tackle in the in in the country in Jordan Davis maybe the best college football player Nicobe Dean best linebacker in college football their strength is in the middle and stopping the run and so Georgia the counter to that is work Georgia with your wide receivers and tight ends on the outside and Alabama tries this And it leads to two punts to start the game. And by the way, Alabama also at the start of the game had a pick six drop on Stetson Bennett early 
in a game where the over-under line was 44, and it looked, I mean, people thought it was going to be close like that. I didn't, as we talked about on Friday with Razor. I was stunned that the the over-under line was so low, because I felt like Georgia scored 30 or more points in every game this year. Like, even against, uh, except the Clemson game, of course, but even in that situation, I didn't think it was going to be one of these, like, slugfest everyone running the ball games I thought the offenses were going to try and explode and it was going to be a 30-30 type of shootout because as great as Georgia's defense had been all year Alabama is a really really good offense with the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback and two future first round wide receivers and a future second or third round tight end and a top five pick at left tackle like Alabama's Alabama they've got you know five stars up and down bigger stronger faster than everyone else in the sport and Georgia had just as many bigger stronger faster guys as Alabama and it didn't matter because after they go up 10 nothing by the way a 10 nothing where Alabama drops a pick six like we mentioned early on Alabama has one play that turns the moment of the game and it's Jamison Williams catching a 75-yard touchdown to make it 10-7 off of a busted route by Georgia. So just the the two sa- the I'm sorry, the the linebacker and the safety come down to spy the running back and there's just a blown coverage where Alabama's future first-round wide receiver ends up in the slot coming across on it's not necessarily even a post route, it's like a uh, a go and then a slant type of play, but it's a it's a long slant. It's not a short slant play. And so they get about 20 yards over the middle. Jamison Williams here. They get 20 yards over the middle. And as Bryce Young is throwing the ball, you can make like a 10-yard circle around no Georgia defenders being there. Like just a totally blown coverage by Georgia. It happens every now and then. It happened to them in the Tennessee game early on in the season. I don't know if it was just a missed assignment or confusion about what Alabama was doing or anything Alabama did before to kind of like spread the defense out a bit because that was kind of their game plan, like we said, on the two punts was use the the pass like the run and throw screen passes and throw um, check downs to the running back and little things like that. And so I don't know if that's because the defense was spread or if that one was just a missed assignment, but it goes for 75 yards for a touchdown. It's 10-7, and everything unraveled after that for Georgia. And I don't know what the psychology behind that is because, again, this is a defense that allowed 84 points the entire season. Their worst game of the year was against Tennessee. They allowed 17 points, 14 of which were in the first quarter. So even their worst game of the year, they only allowed three points in the final three quarters. Georgia, after that, gives up. So after the 75-yard touchdown, punt back to Alabama, touchdown, Bama, touchdown, or field, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown on the next five possessions. They go touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown the next five times they touch the football. And that just doesn't happen even in normal SEC championship games. Last year's Alabama and Florida game was like 40 to 40. And even still, Bryce Young out through the, the, both quarterbacks last year. I think it was Kyle Trask and Mac Jones still out through both of them in a game where both teams scored in the 40s. Bryce Young still out through both of them. Jamison Williams, second most receiving yards in the history of the SEC championship game. Like, This was just 
destroying the defense. And even to that extent, like, it's like, oh my gosh, Georgia's defense is playing poorly. No, Georgia's defense is playing the worst it could possibly be. This is what Alabama does to every other team that's not a college football playoff caliber team. And they absolutely just destroy it. They ran tempo and Jordan Davis was out of gas. Now, were their offensive linemen out of gas? Yeah, their offensive linemen were out of gas a little bit, but that didn't matter because if you've neutralized Jordan Davis, you're still getting what you're looking for if you're gassing your offensive linemen. And by the way, Alabama's offensive line, coached, of course, by former Jaguar head coach and coach who was 10 minutes away from making the Super Bowl, Doug Marone, now offensive line coach at Alabama. Fantastic job by Doug Marone. Alabama's offensive line Gave Bryce Young enough protection to look like, yeah, he just won the Heisman Trophy. Game over. And I don't even know, like, regardless, it's going to be one of the the weaker Heisman Trophy winners this year, and I haven't watched enough college football to do the analysis on who's actually the Heisman Trophy winner. I know Kenny Pickett's been awesome this year, but then he had two bad games in a row, and Pitt's not actually that good. So you had to be, like, all-time historically good in a weak Heisman Trophy class to win it, and... Yeah, Bryce Young is probably going to get it, or if it's, if it's not him, it's going to be C.J. Stroud, you know, the cop-outs, the Ohio State quarterback and the Alabama quarterback, but it's probably going to be Bryce Young. Like, all of that feeling like a cop-out on the voting is something that I'm just, like, taking other people's words on. I haven't watched enough to re- be like, why should Kenny Pickett get it? Why should Matt Corral get the Heisman? Why should Jordan Davis get the Heisman? Just as a representation of the Georgia defense that... Again, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Five consecutive possessions, game over. Alabama outscores you 38-7. to So I don't know why it is that Bryce Young is locking up the Heisman other than just statistics and other people saying it. But Bryce Young threw 420 yards. He's awesome. But I knew he was awesome before this. I'd seen Bryce Young play a lot of awesome football this year because Alabama has played a lot of games on primetime this year. It's Alabama. And so they have this drive after that where now they've pretty much spread out the Georgia defense I guess you know the defense is out of energy and it's just like gung-ho game over for Alabama at that point and it was really fascinating because you see this turning point between Georgia trying to run the ball Bill O'Brien just abandoning the run altogether and just opening up the offense and saying, okay, this is this is like um, when the Houston Texans were down 17-0 against the Bills in the 2020 wildcard game. This was uh, two years ago now um, when the Bills were the five seed and Josh Allen like lateraled the ball in a weird situation uh, during the wildcard game, all of that was weird. Uh, the Texans end up going up 24-0 on the Chiefs the next week, if that makes it easier to remember. But some people may remember that wildcard game from two years ago. When they went down 17-0, Bill O'Brien basically said, I mean, I'm going to curse here. Fuck the, the run game. We're just going to have Deshaun Watson be Deshaun Watson. If we need to run the ball, Deshaun Watson's going to run the ball. And it felt like that over and over again with Bryce Young today, where it's like, 50-yard pass down the field, deep shot, deep shot, deep shot. We're going to work middle of the field. We're going to confuse them with with routes, um, crossing uh, crossing routes. Um, John Mechie, by the way, the wide receiver for Alabama, who looked like he tore his ACL, didn't play in the second half, still kicked ass. First drive of the half, Jamison Williams, 55-yard bomb of a touchdown from Bryce Young. Just perfect pass. It made me say, wow as I'm watching it and that's only happened like three or four times this year with 
Kyler Murray rolling to his left and hitting Rondale Moore for a 48-yard completion. Justin Herbert had two of those moments early in the season. Lamar Jackson has those moments. I talked about this uh, with the Rams and Packers game last week, where when I go like six weeks without watching Aaron Rodgers, it's mesmerizing to watch him have those moments again. And when you've forgotten about it, where he looks like he's turning his head as he's throwing and hitting a little six-inch window to a tight end. Bryce Young had some of that today. And Bryce, again, this is the best game of Bryce Young's career, of course. So I'm not saying Bryce Young is this generationally gifted quarterback who's going to go to the NFL and immediately transcend the sport. This is the first time this has happened with Bryce Young, and it happened to be during his best game of the year. Same thing happened last year with Justin Fields in the college football playoff, where he basically has his hip shattered or his ribs shattered during the game and still just absolutely dominates Clemson, basically ended Clemson's run of success. Because as much as you believe Clemson can bounce back next year, and it's totally possible, but there's always going to be this little stopgap in between for Clemson football of this year and getting dominated by injured Justin Fields. Like, Justin Fields had one of the greatest college football moments I can remember. Doesn't mean Justin Fields is a transcendently gifted quarterback. I thought he was better than Mac Jones. I thought he was better than... Uh, Trey Lance, but obviously there's a development factor when you get there. So Bryce Young, again, this is not to poo-poo Bryce Young or overreact to Bryce Young. I'm going to stay in the middle on this. I'm not saying Bryce Young's amazing. I just had wow moments when they're putting up five consecutive scores. Georgia's only Georgia's defense, which had been said all year, one of the best in the country, seven points a game. Every time up and down the field, they're scoring. And not only are they scoring, Georgia... If This is a stat that I love from this game, which is if Georgia's defense had simply gone on the sideline and not taken the field and they let Alabama run their offense for those five possessions, they would have allowed one fewer yard and four more points because all they did was stop Alabama and from kicking a field goal one time, which was about, uh, I believe... 17 yards and then they had or 19 yards it was 19 yards and then they had 20 yards of penalties on Alabama that moved them backward and they added those yards back later so 20 yards minus the 19 they stopped there they would have allowed one fewer yard had they not set up on the field at all because there would have been no penalties if Georgia is not on the field that's where that logic comes into play don't need to explain the joke all the way around the, the better point of that is to see that happen for a team that we're told is really, really good and, and again, makes Georgia favorites by a touchdown against an Alabama team that had not been an underdog in gambling since 2015. 2015 was the last time Alabama was an underdog in a game. So the best, the best team that we've seen have a chance to take down Alabama, presumably better than even LSU, who in 2019 crushed Alabama in the 1-2 game, rolled through the college football playoff, just totally unbeatable. A team presumed to be better than that LSU team was on offense. And being told that throughout the week and evaluating a game that way, again, I'm not super in-depth into college football analysis. A lot of our college football analysis has been making fun of college football this year. I'm not spending my weekends watching 10 hours of college football anymore like I was when I was 15 or 16. Like, I just, I just don't have that much 
time and or patience for college football in that way. And it's like, I, I like doing other things on Saturdays. Maybe not this Saturday. This Saturday was very Baylor, Oklahoma State and Alabama, Georgia centric. But even still on normal weekends, I haven't gotten into college football. So a lot of real in-depth college football and macro college football analysis this year has been taking other people's words on this and evaluating, you know, what the committee says and saying, these are the most probable situations, not what I think, but here's the most probable situations. And so, you know, we were wrong. I said Michigan had no chance of making the playoff a few weeks ago because they would lose to either Ohio State or Michigan State. Or no, they had just lost to Michigan State. And I said, there's no chance they can make the playoff anymore. And lo and behold, Michigan is going to be the number two or maybe number one, probably number two seed when the, the rankings come out later today. So the analysis has been overwhelmingly secondhand, and, and people have been saying Georgia is really good. And to see all the whole game today, watch start to finish every play, writing notes, doing analysis the way I do for NFL playoff games, like to see that level of domination from Alabama is semi-expected, but at the same, I mean, not semi-expected, like semi-regular because we've become accustomed to Alabama, but this one is even like taking the Alabama lore to a new level. I know everyone was making fun on the internet of Kirby Smart saying, like, we haven't appreciated Saban enough for what they've done over the past 10 to 11 years. But in the macro history of college football, the factory that they've created that can take Georgia, again, the team, the best team, presumably during the Saban era that has a chance to take them down. There's been weird, wacky upsets, but the team that for the past seven years, has by far the best chance to take down Nick Saban. Neutral site field, six and a half point favorites. That team gets absolutely walloped by Alabama. Not that it's like super shocking, because I wasn't someone who came in and said, oh, Georgia should win this game quite handily. I hadn't watched enough Georgia football. I was taking other people's words on it. I've seen Alabama play really well this year just because I've watched more Alabama football than Georgia football this year, mostly because Georgia plays a lot of crappy opponents a lot, and their defense does really well against crappy opponents. All of that to say, Alabama still found themselves dominating, and it was really, really interesting to watch, because when you have 340 yards of offense, if you're Alabama, and Georgia allows 230 as an average all season, I'm sorry, you have 340 in the first half, first half 340 yards of offense and that's 100 more than Georgia allows in a game the entire season you allow 500 yards of offense Bryce Young throws for the second most in conference championship history Alabama winning might have felt uh, felt irrational or crazy but Alabama doing that was something that was just unbelievable and I don't know if my tone like kind of properly conveys it but it's just it's amazement that they have pulled that off, that that factory has kept generating that level of success because it is really, really remarkable what they've done up to this point. And just to throw out a couple more of the fun stats that I had throughout here, which is obviously I threw out the 500 yards of offense against Georgia in there and the five straight possessions are things that I keep harboring on, of course. But Alabama has not lost to Georgia in six consecutive games. This is despite the fact that Georgia... If Georgia's not a Tier 1 program, they're like the closest thing to not being a Tier 1 program because multiple times that I can name off the top of my head, Georgia has not made the college football playoffs simply by losing to Alabama. Uh, 2018, 
They missed the college football playoff because they lost the SEC championship to Bama. 2019, they played in the Sugar Bowl and lost to, I, I can't remember who it was that year. Maybe it was Oklahoma, but uh, no, it was Baylor. It was the Matt Rule Baylor team. Matt Rule had just left to coach the Panthers, but the Matt Rule Baylor team beat Georgia, who just didn't want to be there. They were the fifth seed. They got booted out of the playoffs only because they had one loss. I think it was to Florida that year and lost the uh, lost the SEC championship to Alabama. And no, you're the fifth seed. Back-to-back times, the fifth seed. National championship, obviously, in 2017. They made the championship, lose to Tua Tagovailoa. Georgia is pretty much one of these Tier 1 programs. Alabama, six wins in a row against Georgia. The last time an SEC East team beat Alabama, so that's Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, or uh, missing one more. Uh, Florida. Florida's the last one. Uh, Anytime one of those teams has beaten Alabama, it was 2010, and it was Steve Spurrier that is the only SEC East team that has ever beaten Nick Saban. That's 34 consecutive wins against Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, uh, South Carolina, or Missouri. And seven consecutive SEC championship game wins. Saban has only lost one time in the actual SEC championship game. He has missed the SEC championship game, of course, many a times, but also seven wins in a row in the SEC championship game for Nick Saban, and Alabama's probably going to be the number one seed in the college football playoff once again, because Alabama's just crazy. And for Georgia's sake, Georgia-Michigan is going to be fun, and Cincinnati fans, you got what you were looking for. Because you're going to play Alabama. Congratulations, Cincy. Oklahoma State took all the, the, the nervousness out of this game. But congratulations, Cincinnati. You're going to make the college football playoff. Oh, my gosh. They did it. Even though we didn't rally behind them this year as like group of five power. Because Cincinnati feels like cheating on the group of five. They're no Western Michigan or no UCF or... No Coastal Carolina, just a weird, obscure school that happens to become great. I think Meep Meep at UTSA was that team this year. Shout out to the Conference USA champion UTSA Roadrunners. Meep Meep, motherfuckers. UTS, apologies for swearing right there. Uh, The UTSA team was kind of the one that was adopted more this year than Cincinnati because Cincinnati feels like a power conference team, but you're going to make it. Technically, we don't know it at this point, but Oklahoma State losing took all the drama out of it. You're, you're going to make the college football playoff, Cincinnati. You pulled off the impossible. You've gone undefeated back-to-back regular seasons. You did what UCF did, and UCF got denied, but UCF gets to claim that national championship for the rest of time. Y'all might want to do it now, because you're going to get curb-stomped by Alabama in the college football playoff. I say that to bring it back full circle to say... Michigan and Georgia, that is going to be a fun game. F-U-N, fun game between Michigan and Georgia. Because Michigan's going to, Michigan has one identity. They're going to run the ball right at this Georgia defense that we've now seen can be exposed by taking the top out of them. Now, does that part have to do with Alabama's athletes? I think it has a big part to do with Alabama's athletes. Even though John Mechie wasn't there, they still just took the top off with Jamison Williams, and Georgia had no real answer. And Georgia, I guess, 
got gassed. Again, I don't know how to do the evaluations here and say this is a magnificent job by Saban or this is a magnificent job by Bill O'Brien or a magnificent job by Doug Marone or I forgot the name of the defensive coordinator that the shutdown full cast likes to make fun of. But uh, Pete Golding, maybe it was Pete Golding who helped this one out by forcing Stetson Bennett to basically throw two pick sixes. By the way, actually, before we get back to Michigan and Georgia, Stetson Bennett, we love you. You've become our favorite quarterback over the last two years in all of college football, mostly because Stetson Bennett looks like you or I, if you are a white, straight man listening to this podcast. Stetson Bennett is 5'11", 200 pounds. He's built like just... He's built like a little, like a Rodrigo Blankenship type in just his facial structure, uh, his his meme reactions. Like his face just looks like a white guy having a moment where white guy face pops up, and white guy face is like where you freeze Joe Buck's face, and it always looks funny. It's a moment like that. Stenson Bennett just Stenson Bennett. The fact that his name is Stenson Bennett the fourth too, because. Let me tell you right now, we're not making very many Stensons anymore. Uh, The only other Stenson I know is the guy who is the name of Stenson University. Uh, Shout out to the Mad Hatters of the uh, Atlantic... No, wait. The the conference that has Florida Gulf Coast, the Atlantic Sun Conference. So shout out to the Mad Hatters of, of Stenson University. But that guy was born in 1870, so... We're not making very many Stensons anymore. Stenson Bennett the Fourth uh, is obviously keeping that long Georgia tradition alive. As he's from the state, he was a walk-on originally. He was the third-string quarterback to start the year. We learned about Stenson Bennett in the SEC championship game two years ago for the first time uh, because his name was Stenson Bennett and Jake Fromm. I think this was still Jake Fromm back then. Jake Fromm got hurt. Uh, I forgot to say Jake Fromm State Farm. That used to be an easy force of habit thing. But yeah, Jake Fromm State Farm, uh, he got hurt and Stenson Bennett came in. And just hearing his name was Stenson Bennett the fourth, and then seeing him look just like an average Joe, like just looked like they pulled a guy out of the stands from the University of Georgia and put him at quarterback. Um, and Stenson Bennett, curly hair as well, is doing wonders for Stenson Bennett. We discovered him two years ago. And Stenson Bennett came in and was the starting quarterback all year from third stringer at the start of the year, injury, JT Daniels being bad. All that to say, Stenson, it was looking so good. It looked like Mac Jones. It looked like you were going to game manage your way through it. You started the game like 10 for 13 for 120 yards. They were going to let the running back do all the work for you. James Cook, who is fantastic, by the way. Georgia should be a first-round pick if he's not going to be a first-round pick. It looked like you were going to do just enough, and then your defense let you down, and you turned back into what we all presume Stenson Bennett is going to be, which is throwing a pick when trying to score down 14, getting the ball back off a punt, throwing a pick six. It was it was fun while it lasted, Stenson, but you get another chance against Michigan because Michigan's just going to try and run the ball down the throat of your defense, and if your defense holds up again for you, you too, with all of these giant five-star recruits. By the way, I forgot the name of the wide receiver for Georgia, but Georgia has a 6'5", 240-pound wide receiver. It's basically like one of these Claypool, Calvin Johnson, DK Metcalf types. 6'5", wide receiver, 
tore his ACL in March, came back today and just Odell'd someone for the first touch or not Odell, mossed someone for the first touchdown of the game today. Just went right over the top of a six foot corner. Scored, I think it was at the time, the only touchdown for Georgia until they got to 17 right before the half. And Georgia also has these really good tight ends. Like there was one play where they were respecting the Todd Munkin run so much, which apparently Todd Munkin is is someone who used to be a punchline back before I had the internet when he was the offensive coordinator for, I think, the Browns for a bit. And I think he was on the Steelers maybe. Anyways. The point being, Todd Munkin is like setting up a run on a play action, and they've got these like gigantic, like Gronk-looking tight ends that make a catch in the flat and then kind of go down. And in fairness, maybe this is like a lot of tight ends in that way, but this guy like had Gronk-type qualities where he just like looks like a polar bear that they just train to catch footballs and run even the elite of elite athletes at Alabama over. All of that to say, like Georgia, very good there, but Stenson Bennett, we all wanted to believe. We all wanted to believe, but you get another chance. You were playing with house money today. You'll probably see Bama again later. Now you just have to go through Michigan to get there. And you get another chance because I assume your defense will play much better against a less than overwhelming Michigan offense. I know Michigan put up 42 points on Ohio State while only running the ball like five yards at a time, but your defense will probably come through for you. I believe in you. Stenson Bennett, you're going to get a second chance. You're going to have to go through Michigan first, but you're going to get a second chance at Alabama. You will redeem yourself. You will finally defeat the Alabama Crimson Tide, or maybe you won't. Either way, it's going to be good for content. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off priced so they won't have to visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping that's lightboxjewelry.com lightbox diamonds never a dull moment all right real quick let's knock through this baylor oklahoma state game because whoo that was a chaos game uh, let's just fast forward to 21-13. not super important how we got there all you need to know oklahoma state threw Four interceptions, also muffed a punt. Baylor had three turnovers themselves. Both teams really, really played ugly football. Both teams were also shorthanded on offense, but it was still ugly, ugly football. So fast forward, six minutes left, 21-13 left in this game. Baylor's winning by eight. Oklahoma State gets the ball at the one-yard line, first and goal, off of an awesome completion by another one of these 6-4 Claypool-type receivers. They go... Run on first down, zero yards. Run on second down, zero yards. Run on third down, negative two yards. Ball stopped at the three. Mike Gundy kicks a field goal. No cojones on Mike Gundy. So it's 21 to 16 now. Baylor ends up punting back to Oklahoma State, who burned all their timeouts very, very early in this drive. It was like three and a half minutes left to go. 
They got a three and out, so Baylor had to punt. Oklahoma State goes down the field and gets inside the 20 within like 90 seconds. It's like 10-yard completion, 10-yard completion, 10-yard completion, 10-yard completion, penalty, 10-yard completion. Get right down the field. Just Baylor's got no answers on this drive. Ball at the 20-yard line. They start running the ball, and Baylor starts calling timeouts with two minutes left because now they need to save time on the clock. And then Oklahoma State gets first and goal off of a completion. Then they get a penalty, another first and goal. And Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma State with about a minute to go, first and goal. Baylor's out of timeouts now. Run play. Nope. Second down. Run play. Nope. Third down at the one-yard line. And I think they started at the two got to the one, and then got stopped at the one on second down, running the ball. So that's six plays, can't score it from the one or the two-yard line. And so then they throw an incomplete pass. It's fourth down. There's 30 seconds left. This game's just been utter chaos at this point. The last five minutes have taken 30 minutes. It's just absolute chaos. I am sitting in a parking lot watching this game outside of a Jersey Mike's. Because of course that's what was going on at 12.30. So I'm watching this in a parking lot at Jersey Mike's. And it is fourth and goal, 30 seconds to go. If you haven't seen the video yet, I encourage you to go look it up. It is a time... Everyone on the Baylor defense is trying to aggressively call timeout with 30 seconds left to go. And... They keep going, timeout, timeout, timeout. The referee blows the whistle and comes in and raises their hands like the timeout call. They're doing the timeout, stop the clock with 30 seconds left to go. But this is because there's a play clock issue, apparently. And Baylor is walking to their sideline. And then they all have to run back into formation before Oklahoma State snaps the football because they're walking to their sideline and then the referee comes out on the microphone and says no timeout awarded because Baylor has no timeouts. Oklahoma State has no timeouts. The cl- he says no timeout awarded. The clock was stopped to reset the play clock to 25 seconds. And again, it's often incompletion, so you don't have to worry about like the clock winding down. So Baylor runs back into formation. They start running the clock from 25. Oklahoma State still takes the clock down to 8 seconds, even though Baylor's scrambling, because Oklahoma State is scrambling also a little bit. So they take the clock down to 8 seconds. They pitch outside, and Oklahoma State keeps fighting for the edge, fighting for the edge, fighting for the edge. And he dives at the goal line, And it looks like one of these close plays where the ball is like gonna knock over the pylon and you have to like check where his knee is down and we're gonna have like replay review overturn it. And as it goes down, it's just chaotically quick. The pylon doesn't get knocked over, but it looks like he's diving for the pylon, but the pylon doesn't get knocked over ever and that's an immediate sign oh he's short because obviously he didn't knock over the pylon and he is short and that's the game a half yard if you check out comical sports memes on instagram with the link in the description to this episode hashtag shameless plug you can see the photo of just how close it is it was one of our recent posts 
right at the end of that game, so brutally close to getting Oklahoma State into the college football playoff. And maybe they don't get in over Cincinnati. I thought the committee was setting it up for Oklahoma State to jump over Cincinnati by beating Baylor. Maybe they don't get in after that terrible game, but even still, to be that painstakingly close to making the college football playoff for the first time in your program's history and to be, literally, I'm holding up my hands right now, literally about the size of a half a foot long, like four inches, four inches short of knocking over the pylon and scoring the game-winning touchdown. Just unbelievably brutal. It was an unbelievably chaotically fun game. Uh, more, I think the only unbelievably chaotically fun game so far today, unless Michigan and Iowa has a crazy finish at the end. But Utah State dominated San Diego State. Sad for my boys over at SDSU. Uh, it was quite unfortunate that they got absolutely blasted the same way Georgia did. That was kind of the theme of Championship Saturday. It was strong defenses absolutely falling apart. Um, It seemed to be the case for UTSA. They gave up 42 points. I don't actually know how strong their defense is, but yeah, UTSA blasted. Um, Oregon on Friday got destroyed again by Utah. Which, again, Utah outscoring Oregon by 77 combined points. If you had that on your bingo card this year, congratulations to you. I think it was actually 67. Like, I think they averaged 33.5 points as the margin of victory. If you had that starting this year on your bingo card, congratulations to you. Because Utah is going to play Ohio State in the Rose Bowl this year. And it's going to be so unbelievably funny to see Utah playing in the Rose Bowl. Um, shout out to UCLA and Pasadena because uh, UCLA thought they were going to be there at the start of the year and they had the opportunity in a down year in the Pac-12 and it'll be the Utah running Utes who end up in the Rose Bowl this year, which is just going to be funny to watch on New Year's Day or in my case, not watching because I will not watch Ohio State drub Utah. Maybe Utah will win actually. Maybe Ohio State just doesn't care about the bowl game at that point. Maybe... Maybe they'll get the. Um, maybe Utah will drub Ohio State because Ohio State just won't care. This is a thing that happens for teams that just barely miss the playoffs. Is that the bowl game just doesn't matter and they get absolutely destroyed? It's happened to Georgia twice in the Sugar Bowl after they lost to Alabama in the conference championship game, and one year against Sam Ellinger in Texas, where he has the famous video where he's like, "We're back." Just realize now that video only gets funnier now that Texas misses a bowl game and loses at home to Kansas. I'm surprised I didn't bring that video back up when we did our two full podcasts three weeks ago on Texas losing against the uh, losing against Kansas. Anyways, back to what we were talking about before. Sam Ellinger won that game against Georgia. Georgia was ranked number six. Sam Ellinger was ranked number. 11 coming into that Sugar Bowl, but they finished second in the Big 12 that year, and Oklahoma made the playoff with Jalen Hurts. So they won that, or no, that was the Kyler Murray year, actually. That was Kyler Murray year. They made the playoff. But anyways, the the point being, Texas was an underdog in that game. Georgia didn't give a shit about playing that game. They end up losing. It happens sometimes. Uh, And that might end up happening to 
Ohio State against Utah. But yeah, Utah is going to be in the Rose Bowl this year. Congratulations to them. Uh, I can't wait to see all the funny bowl games tomorrow that we'll laugh at on memes of the weekend, I imagine. Some of the funny, terrible bowl games that the Pac-12 and ACC happen to play in. Um, At the time of recording, I do not know who won the ACC championship yet. So uh, congratulations to whoever won the meaningless ACC championship between Wake Forest and Pitt. I would say we could do a Kyle from the Future segment to figure out who won the ACC championship before I release this podcast. Gotta be honest, not really worth it. Something funny happens, we'll bring it up on Memes of the Weekend. But at the time of recording, Wake Forest up 21-14. Good for them. Alright, let's finish off the podcast here with our picks of the week. Y'all already know Blake Jude's picks for the week over at Stripe Hype Cincy and the Stripe Hype Thursday podcast that we did obviously on Thursday. So you can check that out for his full lineup of picks. I could just list them to you right now, but what would be the fun in doing that? So my picks for the week that we will lock in here on a Sunday, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, Minus nine and a half against the Denver Broncos. Doon, doon, lock it in. Uh, The next one I will take is the New England Patriots at plus three against the Buffalo Bills. This is hedging a bet I made over on the Slump Buster. So I will doon, doon, lock that one in as well. Uh, I need some wins this week, so I'm also going to hedge the other way and take the Pittsburgh Steelers to win against or to cover plus four and a half against the Baltimore Ravens this week also an emotional hedge on my part there I guess not emotional hedge hedging a bet I made over with our buddy the slump buster uh the Philadelphia I'm sorry yes the Philadelphia Eagles with Gardner Minshew I am rolling with the Eagles minus five against the Jets this week. Doon doon, lock in Minshew Mania, even if Minshew Mania has kind of fallen by the wayside. Eagles can still get a win against the lowly Jets, who have won three games this year and are not actually that bad. But take the Eagles this week. Maybe I'll reverse jinx myself there. And finally, I got the Rams in the Jalen Ramsey revenge game. 12 and a half big ones against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The last time I picked the Rams as heavy favorites, they crushed the Houston Texans, and then the Texans backdoor covered. One of the most painful experiences this year. But anyways, three games below 500 right now with six weeks to go. So I'm going to need some big ones here to come back. Walter Mitchell is sitting at 30 and 30. He's in second place behind our buddy Blake Jude at 31, 28 and 1. He's a game and a half above 500. Walter sitting pretty, or sorry, Blake is three games above 500. Walter is at 500. I'm three below 500. So we'll, we'll make the march back up here. Uh, and try and get there. But Walter sitting at 500. He's got five picks this week, and here's what they are to send you into your NFL weekend. And just document it, because sometimes we forget to put these picks out here. But at the end of a crazy college football Saturday, I got you. I went through the production quality to find the picks. We've got them right here for you to close out Wired Up episode 97. Uh, no, there's actually not a lot of games this next week. There we go. Uh, let's go Colts at the Texans. Colts are seven point favorites. Colts. 
It was a emphatic one. Yes. The no one knows how good Carson Wentz game is. I like it. Uh, well, and the Texans are coming off a miracle win. So, or no, they, they lost. Yeah, I was going to say beat I thought, the Texans of uh, the Titans. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, yesterday they came back to earth, right? <laughs> yeah, I think they lost to was it the Jets. I think it was the yeah. Jets. Yeah, because because uh, I forgot what his name. Franklin Myers had like a batted pass and then diving interception. It was a crazy play for the Jets. So they, yeah, they lost that one. But the Texans are tanking, so that's okay for them. Uh, let's go Giants at the third longest win streak in the NFL, Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are three-point favorites at home. Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins have uh Dolphins have turned a little corner. I know yesterday was a little bit of two a game managing, but still it was uh an emphatic victory for the Dolphins against the Carolina Panthers. On a roll. Because I already declared their season over like after they lost to the Jaguars. So the fact they've won four in a row is at least a uh a keep Brian Flores' job intact stretch, which I never understood why people wanted to fire him in the first place because that job's not very desirable if fire if trying to hire a new coach. So that one never made a ton of sense. Let's see. How about 49ers at Seahawks? The 49ers are two point favorites on at 49ers. Staff. 49ers that yep. They're, they've been good this year. I'll give them that. They've been they've been on a nice little hot streak there. So they 49ers have. there. Uh, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Baltimore is a three-point favorite. Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. And then, uh, oh, I, I have another fun stat that I can throw out here, a Little Rock special at some point once we're done here. But let's get the last one in here. So – Finally, we have the Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are three-point favorites at home against New England. That one's tough, boy. You, you remember, we do have a rule here is that if you want another game, you can always get another game, but it has to be either the Falcons or the Lions. Uh, you <laughs> no, can always pick another game. But it... <laughs> I'm going to stick with the Patriots. Patriots, you got the win streak going on. I, I tend to agree with you, but I would stay away from this game as well because it's going to be fun. And it's on Monday Night Football next week, so that's going to be fun. Prime time Patriots versus the Bills to decide the AFC East. Yeah. Or maybe. I think they play I think they play twice still, actually, now that I think about it. So maybe not. Okay. Yeah. So my uh my final stat that I find interesting is that there are right now eleven teams in the NFL that have at least seven wins on the season. So that means like seven and four, eight and three. The Cardinals, I think, are nine and two. Um, Eleven teams there. Do you know how many of them have are leading in time of possession? Like they possess the ball more than their opponents throughout the season out of the 11. 
Oh. It is 10. There are 10 of the 11 teams possess the ball more than their opponents. They're winning the time of possession for the season. Do you think you can guess the one team with seven or more wins that is not possessing the ball longer than their opponents? It's not the Cardinals. (laughs) Right. Um... Chiefs. It is not the Chiefs. The Chiefs still the Chiefs have still possessed the ball more than their opponents this year. Okay. Rams. That is correct. It is the Sean McVay zone running scheme Rams are the only they're yeah. the only they're only four teams in the NFL above five hundred are below losing time of possession, but it is in fact the anti-Los Angeles Rams, as I like to call them. They're, they've totally changed up their personnel and Sean McVay's playing the exact opposite of how Sean McVay usually plays. Wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. That's a great little rock special. I love it. <laughs> Yes, I've Tweet been that fascinated. Out there, brother. Tweet it out there, yes. brother. I've been fascinated by the anti-Rams this year. So that that I find to be fascinating. It only exists now, I think, because the the uh, I think it was the Broncos beat the Chargers or something. I don't even remember what it was, but 